Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I'm Cleese Smith. You're listening to the Fabulous 413. Later in the show, youth artists teaming up with working artists and bringing together Hampshire County and Hamden County for the Youth Performance Festival. And joining us now in an ongoing effort to speak with all of the candidates for mayor in all four counties of the 413 is City Councilor Justin Hurst. Justin Hurst is running against the 16-year incumbent mayor of Springfield, Dominic Sarno. Justin was first elected to Springfield City Council in 2013, where he's serving his fourth term. He was unanimously voted as president of City Council, where he served in 2019 and 2020. He's a graduate of the Springfield Public School System, received his Bachelor of Arts degree in English from the University of Virginia in 2000, his Certificate of Advanced Study in Administration from UMass, and a doctorate degree from Western New England College School of Law. He lives in the city with his wife, school committee member Denise Hurst, and his two sons. Welcome to the show. Absolute pleasure to be here. I, got, I need you all on my team. <laughs> we'll be like your hype people, although we are totally nonpartisan. We're nonpartisan. Just the facts. <laughs> and we do thank you for sitting down with our news department uh, earlier in the day, too, and you'll be hearing from that as time goes on. We will have live election night coverage here on uh, November 7th, election night. But tell us a little bit about Justin Hurst, the human being from Springfield. Mm-hmm. We gave you a little bit uh, your resume, your bona fides, your, doc- your doctorate degree, etc. Tell us about Justin Hurst, the person. So I was born and raised here in the city of Springfield. Like you all mentioned, uh, graduated from Central High School. uh, And then after graduation, went on to the University of Virginia. And, um, you know, always wanted to come back and emulate what my parents had been doing, uh, which I saw my entire life, which was giving back to the city that they loved so much. So I knew Well, upon graduation, I was going to come back and uh, give back to the city, ended up uh, going to law school in the evenings and then teaching uh, English full time at an alternative school and then finished out my career at the high school of science and technology. Mm -hmm. So uh, always knew I was going to come back home and invest in our young people. And now I'm investing in the residents here in the city of Springfield. Why get into politics rather than doing grassroots organizing? You know, uh, I, I I watched it firsthand. You know, I, my father ran for mayor twice and city council once. Unfortunately, he was, was not successful, but there was obviously some reason why he wanted to uh, go into politics. And, you know, then my mother was on the school committee. She served for a decade before my wife. And, you know, I just I saw the people that I looked up to uh, looking to make a difference through politics. And that's really what I wanted to do once I got outside of the class. Classroom, and uh, I found myself wanting to impact more people through legislation, and that's what uh, that's what I found. That, that's what I ended up doing when I was on the city council. So, uh, just sort of fit. Did you teach English at the science school? I did. I did. I was did. That, I taught, was it difficult I, because they're focusing on STEM things to get them interested in humanities? You, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, not not necessarily. You're like I, I'm here you know, doing math because the language is not my thing. I, I, I don't want to read to kill a mockingbird. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what? Um, I didn't find that to be an issue. You know, I'm not so sure that when kids and I taught ninth grade English, so uh, I don't know that they really had the STEM focus going in. I think it was sort of for them like this is the school that I got accepted into. Fair and, enough. Uh, this is this is where I'm going. Um, but it was always, you know, we always try to make it fun for our young people. So whether it was teaching Romeo and Juliet or, you know, focusing on uh, poetry that, you know, that, that was impactful, we wanted to make it relevant to them. You are a member of the city council. You've been president of the city council. Was there an aha moment where you said city council is not where I want to stay? I want to be the mayor. And, and why? 
when I would witness so many people being left out, you know, there were a number of decisions that were being made at the executive uh, level and in the executive office that I, you know, I finally was like, enough is enough. Just most recently, uh, you know, we had an opportunity uh, to give $40 million in Eversource money uh, that they were, uh, that they had owed to the city uh, in, in taxes. And we could have put that money towards tax relief. We know that our uh, taxes here in the city of Springfield have gone up eight out of the last eight straight years and we're poised to go up nine out of the last nine straight years. And, you know, there were only a couple counselors who were like, hey, we've got this $40 million. We received it as a result of a tax settlement from Eversource. Our folks need relief. And there are many people that are living on fixed incomes who are struggling. Why can't we use this money towards that relief? And there was never a real desire from the administration to do so. And so at that point in time. Well, what happened to that money first? So that money went into the rainy day fund. Uh-huh. Uh, it went into the uh-huh. rainy day fund, um, you know, in preparation for, I guess, when it's raining. But you talk to a lot of residents here in the city of Springfield, and it's raining for them right now. And so, yes, uh, it's great that their property values are going up. But if you're not selling, you can't necessarily realize the the, the value uh, in your homes increasing. And so what they're left with is paying taxes that have gone up year after year after year, and they need relief. During your tenure on city council, do you feel like there's been a certain level of animosity between the folks on city council and what they're trying to bring to the city and the executive branch, the mayor's office, and what they're trying to bring to the city? As evidenced by you were not the only city councilor who ran for mayor. I think it was clear that folks that folks felt that the residents of Springfield needed change. You know, after you are in office for 16 years, your circle becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, and you stop uh, to really operate on behalf of the individuals who got you elected, and you're more focused on appeasing uh, those individuals who uh, are giving you campaign donations or whose pockets you're padding. And so, uh, you know, it was... Um, it was just time. It was time uh, that there were, um, you said one example on the city council or one time, one aha moment. Is that what you said? That's what he That's said. That's what I Is said, that, yeah. That one <laughs> aha moment. Um, you know, I don't know if there was an aha moment, uh, but I think it was clear that uh, there were too many people that were being left out. And so we needed to challenge leadership, uh, win or lose. Uh, You know, the hope is that you'll shine a light on those individuals that have been left out and haven't been benefiting from government over such a long period. Uh, shining a light is a good a good segue into to this. Transparency is a lot of what you bring up when uh, confronted with at least like Sarno's tenure in office, like that. There hasn't been a lot of that. What? facets of transparency will you bring to the office or would you like to bring to the office? You know, I'm, I'm an open book. I've always been honest with the residents of Springfield, uh, almost, you know, to, to a fault. And so, you know, we're going to make sure that government is a place in which folks feel uh, comfortable with and anything that we say we're going to do, we're going to do. And if we can't do it, we're going to be honest with you and tell you. And so, you know, I've been Uh, saying that uh, we are ultimately going to eliminate the trash fee once and for all. I'm not someone who's just going to talk about it. I'm going to be about it. And if, um, you know, if there are issues within uh, 
the administration. I'm going to be very clear uh, with the residents of Springfield. They're going to know where I stand. Uh, and as many facets as, um, you know, throughout city government that we can involve the community, uh, we will. And anytime we're able to involve the community, uh, it, there, there are more eyes on the situation. And so transparency uh, is almost inevitable. And so, you know, uh, I think the more inclusive that we make government, uh, the more transparent it will ultimately be. We're speaking with City Councilor Justin Hurst, who's running for mayor of Springfield Tuesday, November 7th, against the incumbent mayor, Dominic Sarno. He just mentioned eliminating the trash fee. How would the Hurst administration pay for that in the city of Springfield? You know, there's a lot of money that has come into the city of Springfield. And, you know, even when we think about taxes, I hear from residents time and time again, whatever happened to the casino money? Well, there's still casino money uh, that is coming in that could be used to eliminate the trash fee and uh, certainly reduce uh, taxes. There's also marijuana money that could be used to reduce the taxes. Uh, in addition to that, um, there is this Eversource money that went into the rainy um, the rainy day fund that could be used towards uh, eliminating the trash fee and working to reduce taxes. And then lastly, I'll say, you know, I plan on going into City Hall and auditing every department in the city of Springfield to identify money that is being fraudulently uh, used and fraudulently spent uh, and or just misused in general, uh, and then reinvesting that money back into the neighborhoods. And so uh, part of that could be used, uh, that excess money could be used for, to eliminate the trash fee, uh, as well as to reduce taxes. Do you believe there's money being fraudulently spent in the city of Springfield right now? I do. Do you do you know where? Are you feeling comfortable so, I mean, to just, share what it, you believe about well, you, that? Just look at the ARPA money. I mean, we had one hundred and twenty three point nine million dollars in ARPA money. Uh, we decided to spend uh, some of that money and allocate it for outside dining. Uh, I think that was a great idea by Mayor Sarno um, and something that I support because certainly we want to make sure that folks have things to do downtown. We want to support our restaurants and we want folks feel comfortable uh, eating out and dining out, especially in the wake of COVID. Uh, however, when you invest $250,000 into the City Line Cafe uh, for outdoor dining and they don't even have a kitchen, in fact, all they have is a hot dog machine. I find it hard. And then on top of that, uh, the individual who owns the City Line Cafe is on the planning board in the city of Springfield. Uh, just seems to me that there is some funny business going on. Uh, and so that, that probably is the clearest example that I have. There's another example that I'm going to um, roll out probably in tomorrow's press release, but... Well, we'll give you an opportunity oh. to roll it out in a minute if you want. We would love if you're, you know, you can workshop the press release. We would love to hear what you might be rolling out, candidate and city councilor Justin Hurst. So, so there was also fifty um, outside of the eighty thousand dollars that was given to, I believe it was two guys, pizzeria. They've executed the contract, and all we see are picnic tables. Uh, and the reality is, outdoor dining is coming to a close. And so, the question is, what are they doing with the money? Uh, when we talk about transparency, that needs to happen. In terms of the press release, I'll just. Say stay tuned, uh, uh, but there, there there is another example that is an obvious conflict that I'll roll out in the news and make sure you all are a part of it. Well, thank you very much for that. We're speaking with candidate Justin Hurst, city councilor in Springfield, running for mayor of Springfield against Dominic Sarno, and we're going to have more talk about schools and safety and ARPA money coming up in just a little bit. We're back. 
from going nowhere with candidate Justin Hurst, city councilor in Springfield in the midst of our fun drive. Did I skip something, Khalees? Mm -mm. Okay, you gave me a look like you're yeah. skipping something, but I'm kind of used to that look now. I just could try to ignore it most of the time. Oh, jeez. <laughs> disturbing. I Thanks. Know. Justin Hurst, um, we talked a little bit about uh, transparency, about potential mismanagement of money, and your main critique uh, about this has been ARPA money. In which municipalities surrounding the city of Springfield do you feel like they handled their ARPA money well? Because this was a, a out of the blue amount of money from the federal government post-COVID that was largely left to the municipalities to deal with in ways that they will. So the rules were somewhat murky about how this could be done. Who around us did it better? So, so let me just go back to the transparency point that you just made. Part of being transparent is showing up. Part of being transparent is defending your 16-year record so that all of the residents of Springfield know what they expect for the next four years. And so when you turn down coming before uh, various radio stations and news stations, you're not getting off to a good start. Uh, with that being said, what are other surrounding uh, towns that are doing it? I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen it. I just have seen what is happening here in Springfield, and I know that we can do better. I know it was, it was a, a large task. I know that the ARPA team and the finance team uh, have done a really good job in terms of trying to figure this out. I also know it's not easy, uh, but there are certain must-haves that should have happened. Uh, we are not going to tell folks and residents here in the city of Springfield that we're going to give them $1,400 uh, cash payments and COVID relief and not get them their payments, and we're going on a year and a half to two years for some individuals. Uh, for me, uh, we could have done better. Uh, if we were going to use an outside organization, then we should have streamlined. Uh, we should have hired that outside organization a long time ago. It shouldn't have taken that long to figure out that we were in too deep and in over our heads. Uh, in addition to that, we know that the first uh, purchase for COVID money was the purchase of uh, I believe it was three buildings in downtown Springfield. Uh, we also know that there were many small businesses uh, that, that were suffering at the time, and there were many residents that were suffering at the time. And so the fact that we chose uh, to purchase buildings as opposed to uh, provide relief for those that were on the front lines and those that suffered the most from COVID is extremely problematic. And it, did, it wasn't rocket science to get it right. That was more just a smack in the face and saying to residents, you know what, uh, I'm not concerned with your interests. I'm not concerned with the business interests. I'm more concerned with uh, making the downtown uh, better um, at the expense of the residents who were struggling. Uh, I want to shift this to housing because uh, <laughs> apparently that is my question for everybody. Denise right. Jordan from the Springfield Housing Authority is going to be on the show with us tomorrow talking about the um, Affordable Housing Act. The bond bill that the, bond the bill that just, just got passed. Okay. So there is clearly a problem with houselessness in Springfield. I pass Friends of the Homeless on my way to work every day and it is overrun. Um, what should this town do um, to change its approach on affordable housing versus houselessness versus our burgeoning migration, like immigration crisis? Because they are kind of, th they are three things that are connected, but the way that they should be treated might be a little different. 
So, uh, good question, and certainly a question that a lot of uh, urban cities are struggling with now. Uh, what I can tell you and, and, and what I believe we can do here in Springfield is that we need to create more units and certainly creating 600 units like the mayor uh, says that he's going to create in the coming year uh, is is nowhere near enough. We know that we're 16,000 uh, units short and so, you know, we have to do better. I would argue that we can start with our building department here in the city of Springfield and ensure that we have someone uh, in the building department who understands and can relate to what is happening here in Springfield. Unfortunately, our um, the building department uh, chair is not from the city of Springfield. And so it certainly is much easier for you uh, to be able to take your $100,000 salary, drive past individuals who are homeless uh, and not necessarily have any compassion for them as you take your money uh, elsewhere. Uh, if you did, then you would make sure that we had a competent building department that hold, that held uh, big-time landlords like the Springfield Gardens accountable much quicker than we've done here in the city of Springfield. There are thousands of units, or certainly hundreds of units, in the city of Springfield that are offline uh, because they are condemned and we haven't gotten these landlords in court as quickly uh, as we should. In addition, there are permits that are taking months to be processed for these new developments that uh, that is inexcusable. And so we need to make sure that we have a full complement of building inspectors uh, to cite the buildings that uh, are not being taken care of by the landlords. We also need to make sure we have a full complement of code enforcement officers. And then we need to make sure that we have enough attorneys getting these uh, big time uh, landlords in the court and making sure they get their properties online. If it doesn't happen, let's start thinking about receivership. During the housing crisis, we're quick to take the homes of our homeowners, right? Which is coming, um, you know, to fruition, um, which is coming to light now through the whole tax title foreclosure issue that is getting ready to rear its head in the city of Springfield, where again, we're going to cost the taxpayers uh, millions of dollars in making these individuals whole again. So we're quick to take it during the housing crisis, but at the same time, we're not as quick to take these big time developers and big time uh, landlords to court. I wonder why. We're speaking with City Councilor Justin Hurst, who is running for mayor of Springfield on Tuesday, November 7th. An offer has been extended to the mayor of Springfield uh, to have come on the show. We extend that offer again. But before we run out of time, <laughs> let's talk about public safety. This year in particular, there's been an uptick in violence in the city of Springfield. What do you think is causing that? And what would your office do to help alleviate that violence? There are a number of uh, root causes to, uh, you know, the gun violence that we're seeing here in the city of Springfield. Uh, what what I would do uh, to um, to address the gun violence that is running rampant. I mean, we are leading uh, the state in terms of the number of homicides here in the city of Springfield per capita. Uh, we've had, I believe, 27 or 28 homicides, which is the most that we've had uh, in Springfield's history. We need to have a comprehensive plan to address gun violence. We can't just 
tweak a plan. Uh, we can't tweak a plan that we don't have. We need to have a comprehensive plan. As mayor of Springfield, I will have a comprehensive plan. We know we're short 70 officers. We also know that we don't have officers serving on uh, both the state and federal um, uh, gang, gun, and drug violence units, uh, which we need to have. They Our specialized units are not working uh, past midnight. They also uh, are not working on the weekends. And then we're not uh, providing resources to those organizations on the ground that are actually doing the work that is going to produce the results to reduce gun violence. Uh, primarily those individuals that are involved in conflict resolution. Uh, we're not funding those programs at the degree we should. We're not funding mental health programs at the degree we should. Uh, we're not making sure our returning citizens are employable when they return and have the skills to provide for their families. And so there's a number of good organizations that are on the ground doing the work that we need to make sure that we're supporting and we're not just supporting those that we know. Uh, and lastly, we need to make sure we're having a conversation with the individuals who are actually doing the shooting or we're having a conversation with individuals who know the individuals who are doing the shooting, which is probably one of the most difficult things uh, that we can happen because we need to know what is causing the gun violence. We certainly know we got to address poverty and other issues, uh, you know, to, to reduce gun violence and Education is also huge, making sure that folks come out and are able to get a job. But, um, you know, we can't do that without having a comprehensive plan, which is what we don't have and what we haven't had for the last 16 years. Last question. Yes. Where's the good pizza in Springfield? <laughs> if you had to pick one best. I was going to say, I, you know, I'm not a big pizza person, but I can tell you the best pizza for me is always Red Rose. All right. Okay. That was the first place we ate on our pizza quest. <laughs> You're looking for a new joint. New yeah, we're joint. looking for a new Springfield joint. <laughs> City Councilor Justin Hurst, who is running for mayor of Springfield. Election day is Tuesday, November 7th, and we will have live election coverage. We're having an ongoing effort to speak with all of the mayoral candidates in the fabulous 413. Pizza makers. Pizza right makers. around the corner from my house. They probably have the second best for me. Okay. All right. Pizza Makers we'll add, is on we'll the, add list, them to the list. And we will add, <laughs> we'll add you, we'll credit you with that. Thank you for spending so much time with us and with our news department today, uh, Councillor Hurst. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you all for all of the work that you're doing at NEPM. Thank you. It's our pleasure. All right. The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, homegrown in Hatfield, Massachusetts, and providing energy savings for their customers for over 10 years. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. You are listening to The Fabulous 413. And now we turn our attention to the Youth Performance Festival, which is a collaboration between Play Incubation Collective and the Northampton Center for the Arts at 33 Holly Street in Northampton. It's a free opportunity for youth artists age 8 to 18 to create original performance pieces under the guidance of mentor artists in the fields of music, dance, theater, poetry, spoken word, video. The Youth Performance Festival is partnering for the first time with Make It Springfield, who have been on the show before, to create a Springfield-based youth cohort. This group will rehearse together at Make It Springfield throughout the winter, and then there will be a performance in Northampton in February of 2024. And joining us from the Youth Performance Festival and the Northampton Center for the Arts is Kelly Silliman, the program director at the Center for the Arts, as well as Devere Cockett. Am I saying that correctly? Usually, when we're not fun driving, I would talk to you beforehand, <laughs> make sure we're saying all the pronouns and Devere Cockett. Oh, that's great. Excellent. You got it. Thank you. Who is a working actor, a longtime Youth Performance Festival mentor, 
and a Springfield resident. I won't ask you who you're going to vote for just because we had a candidate in here. That'd be putting you on the spot. Uh, but we'll also be one of the mentors for the Make It Springfield cohort. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks thank for you, having thank us. Thank you. Kelly Silliman, I'm resisting calling you Miss Kelly because you were my children's ballet teacher. I will try it's to just so long. <laughs> I will just try to call you Kelly Silliman uh, professionally here now that we're on a public radio station. Uh, but tell us when did the Youth Performance Festival begin? Well, we began. Sarah Marcus, my co-director, and I, who is also the director of Play Incubation Collective, um, began working on the festival in 2019. We worked all year long. The first festival happened in February of 2020, and then, of course, we all know what happened next. What? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're going into our fifth year. Um, It's been a wild ride. The first festival was an enormous success, um, two sold-out shows. Um, The second year was a completely virtual version. The third year was hybrid. And last year, we were able to return to in-person. Um, Sarah and I have always imagined that the festival would extend beyond Northampton. We've worked really hard on that. Um, We have both youth and mentor artists that represent many towns and schools across the valley. But of course, transportation is an issue, um, particularly between Springfield and Northampton. So we've been interested for a long time in expanding to Springfield. We are super excited to partner with the folks that make it. Um, Their mission is really aligned because it's open and free um, and just really about the making. Yeah, it's a drop-in maker space. Uh, It's really great. They moved from one smaller location to a bigger location. They have all sorts of fun, like workshops, how to fix bikes and things going on there. And then I guess, how to be an artist as well now. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) And we um, are excited this Saturday um, at 2 p.m. We're having uh, a kind of a presentation and info session um, at Make It Springfield. There will be uh, former youth artists, um, mentor artists, including DeVere. Sarah and I will be there. Um, We'll show some excerpts from the last performance and then um, kind of explain how the project works and answer questions. And we would love to see a lot of young artists from Springfield there. That's Kelly Silliman, who's the program director of the Northampton Center for the Arts, who is expanding and crossing the quote-unquote tofu, tofu curtain, curtain, bringing what is so close land-wise, um, but it yet too many times so disparate psychologically, racially, economically. And I am always an admirer of anybody who is trying to bring our four counties that much closer together. Devere, you are a working actor. You're from here in Springfield, but you've been a mentor for the Youth Performance Festival before. Yes, I have. Tell us about some of the mentees that you've worked with and on what kind of stuff. Uh, the mentees I work with. Every time I do a mentor artist for um, YPF, I am just reminded how, um, how do I say this, uncreative I am as an adult. <laughs> no. Because like, when you see these children work on these creative stuff and it comes from their own head, yeah. their own um, ideas. come from? It's exactly. And like, what am I doing wrong? Do I, <laughs> do I have I lost my imagination <laughs> or my love for the arts? But, but no, really, um, these kids, these mentees are, are amazing, all from song to video animation. I was theater my first year, and last year I was video animation and editing and production last year. And um, it, these kids are just so creative when they come up with ideas. And 
when we say it's their own original ideas, it's their own original ideas. Yes. We do not give them any like um, ideas on what do they do. Day one, we ask them to come up with the idea, and we're just guiding them throughout the whole process. And I love I, what I love about that is that it's something I wish I had as a kid. Instead of like going to school or or going to like some art place, and they're telling you, "Oh, this is the play we're doing, and this is how I want you to act." The kids come up with their own ideas. Like watching a, a young artist, like eight or, or ten years old, and seeing them how they direct their other fellow um, artists who are the same age let uh, kind of lets me know how they think of the world and when it comes to the arts too like do they love directing because they love um you know bossing other people around <laughs> or, or, or do they really have like a passion or an idea and they want to get this um out there but they need a little bit of guidance so tell me about how that guidance works, Devere Cockett, who's going to be one of the mentors for the Youth Performance Festival. There's an open house to learn more about this this weekend at Make It Springfield. When they come with so many great ideas that are so inspirational to you, how do you, as a working professional artist, guide them without crushing their creativity? <laughs> Uh, I think many of us have, who oh, are creative yeah. people have been creatively crushed. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's something we don't do there yeah. at YPF. But how to do that is, um, I'll go back to guiding them. Yeah. Uh, uh, all these kids have big, giant, great ideas. And like we try to let them know, like you have this space, you have this time to do that. And we're really just guiding them. Like um, Come up with your script. Take time to talk about dialogue. Take time to gather your other classmates around and work on this project. It's all about guiding. It's never about saying yes or no. And um, with with that guidance, you gotta have some patience too. Like so, some of the students I had last year, they wanted to put on a full three hour um, Spielberg type of um, production. I'm like, well, how about we just do the idea for, yeah. for your script? How about that? We start there first. But um, once they're done with our program, um, we still stay in contact. There's other programs after February that we're still able to see them and like, hey, how's that project going on? So the guiding never stops. This is just the first stop in their creative ideas, and uh, I'm just glad to be a part of it. I think another um, really important thing to mention is that the feedback process is not based on values. So the mentor artists aren't saying, I like that or I don't like that. And they're not saying that's good. You know, it's observation based. Like, this is what I see. This is how it makes me feel. And that's something that um, a lot of professional performance artists use in their own work to really develop it. Um, Because sometimes you end up in a process where somebody's like, I don't like that costume. But you're like, I wasn't even going to wear this. Right. Right. And so to really, it's a way of really honing in on on centering that the voice of the artist and we start working with these kids as soon as they come in so some as young as eight some come in as teenagers um and and we're we're really we're training ourselves and we're training them to really tend to this observational feedback process that's kelly silliman who's the program director for the northampton center for the arts as well as devere cockett who's a working actor and a longtime mentor for the youth performance festival Tell us about what's happening this weekend at Make It Springfield and who you'd like to see come to this open house. Well, first, we would love to see any youth artists in Springfield between the ages of 8 and 18 who are excited about making something that's totally their own. So that's a lot of people. It's okay. We can fill up the space. Yeah. <laughs> they got a bigger space now. Yeah. Like that's, I said. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's um, right. But... Um, what we can expect is that we will uh, show some excerpts from uh, previous years of YPF from performances. We're going to have some youth artists there whose pieces will show, and they'll be able to talk about their process. Um, and then mentor artists, including Devere, um, who will be there to talk about what it's like to be a mentor artist. Uh, and Sarah and I will be there as well to kind of explain what people can expect and answer any questions about the sort of festival as a whole. 
Um, and then let's say they're interested. What's the next step? How much of a commitment is it? Does it cost money to be a part of this? How does that all work? Yes, this is a free program for the youth artists, period. Also, we pay our mentor artists because we believe in sustainability when it comes to being working artists. Um, so the um, the program starts in December. We'll have another or, uh, info session at Make It on December 2nd, in case anyone misses this one. Um, rehearsals start the second week of December. We have a couple of rehearsals on Saturday mornings before the holidays and then about five more after the holidays. Um, so it's we're, we have seven weeks of rehearsals. Um, and then the performances will happen in Northampton at the Northampton Center for the Arts at 33 Holly in the second weekend of February. And when you say rehearsals, that's when the the mentorship happens, Devere? Is that that's when you're honing stuff? It's not like you've got a, they've got a script ready to go and you're just rehearsing it seven weeks in a row. That's when the crafting happens with the youth artists? Yeah, and I'll, I will also add to, like, you don't have to have an idea to, to come to this. Let's just say you want to work with people who are into music or into theater, but you don't have an idea yourself, but you, you still want to be bar, part of the arts. Come to this. You'll meet mm-hmm. some other creative um, kids, other people who are in theater, um, dance, music. And you get to be part of like a larger production. Don't think you um you have to have this giant amazing idea on day one. No, come meet some other kids and be part of their project. Yeah, it's a real range. Sometimes kids come and they have no idea. Sometimes kids come with the three-hour Spielberg spectacular. <laughs> um, and either way, we also are really trying to teach the idea that when we get to that festival point, we're going to show what we have and we're mm-hmm. going to show a great version of it. And that sometimes is different than what they imagined in the beginning. So our, our Spielberg kid did a did a reading, and mm-hmm. it was amazing. And no, I mean— there's an argument to be made that no work of art is really ever done. Exactly. So like, it doesn't have to be yeah. finished we, in those We love that yeah. argument. Yeah. <laughs> love that. And this is not just uh, filmmaking. It's dance. Mm-hmm. It's theater. It's poetry. Music. Comedy. Yes. Yes. I think last year we had our first stand-up comic. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. And incredible. you found a mentor for yes. a young yes. stand-up comic. <laughs> yeah. We did. That's pretty incredible. And it's all free. Yes. Um, was Louis Phipps in the first cohort? He was in the first two YPFs, yes. So Louis Phipps. I don't even know how old he is now. He's our live music Friday guest on oh, Friday fun. because he has an album. He's performing on Friday night. Friday night at the Parlor Room in Northampton because of, you know, he's now got an album. He's working with other professional musicians. And he's still, I think, in his like maybe uh, not. I think he might even be a tween at this point. I, I think he is. Yeah, I don't even I, think he's quite a teenager I yet. I think he might be 11, maybe 12. Does your audience know about his voice? Well, they're gonna know about it on Friday. <laughs> Live Music Friday with Louis Phipps. It's gonna be uh, gonna be incredible. One more time, Kelly Silliman. If people in the Springfield area are interested in this uh, youth performance festival and to learn more about it, tell us where and when again. Yes, please join us at Make It Springfield uh, this Saturday at 2 p.m. Um, it'll be about an hour, hour and a half presentation, info session, chance to talk with youth artists and mentor artists. Um, if you're not able to make that you can um, contact us through our website uh, www.nohoarts.org or just google youth performance festival in western mass you'll find us and i saw that on the website that it was in both english and in spanish so uh, is there an opportunity for people who don't speak english as their first language to also get mentored and in this cohort that's happening here are we working on that still or how does it work um we are we do have some mentors who are bilingual and um we are definitely able we will make that happen if there's somebody who comes and needs that support yes is there one takeaway for you devere cockett who's been a mentor uh before i let you go and we get back to the fundraising (laughs) that that sticks with you a moment that 
makes it all worthwhile for you to have been a mentor to these youth performers? I would say um, the performance day when we're seeing all the mentees perform and knowing how much work they put in and um, seeing uh, them just um, tell the audience, like, what does this mean to me and how did I come up with that, this idea? Once again, is, I wish that something like this was around when I was a kid. Just a way to express yourself at a, at a young age. I think that's the biggest thing is expressing yourself as a kid and know how to talk to people about it, too. And that's what you're going to get when you come here, too, expression. That is Devere Cockett, who has been a longtime mentor for the Youth Performance Festival, as well as Kelly Silliman, the program director for the Northampton Center for the Arts, the Youth Performance Festival, partnering for the first time with Make It Springfield to create a Springfield-based youth cohort. They'll rehearse together at Make It Springfield throughout the winter and then perform at the festival that's happening in Northampton at the Center for the Arts in uh, February of 2024. Thank you both so much for coming in. Thank you so much, thank Monty. You, Good to you. see you. I would be remiss not to congratulate you as a new grandma. <laughs> thank you. That's right. That's right. So Living out my dream <laughs> oh of my being gosh. a young grandparent. It is the best. <laughs> <laughs> we go back. We have history. We, I can true. call her out on that. It's not, it's not a problem. And if you were wondering where Khalees was this whole time, she had to leave in the middle of the show because her book is out today, Sir Morian with Holly Black. She's going to the eastern part of the state for that celebration. She'll be back on the show tomorrow. As well, tomorrow, Governor Healy's administration has just approved a $4 billion plan to address the Commonwealth's ongoing housing crisis. The Affordable Homes Act seeks to address this problem on a multitude of fronts, from tax relief to new policy to green building. And tomorrow, we will be talking about the core principles of this legislation with the president of Wayfinders and the director of the Springfield Housing Authority. I turn it back over to my friend John Sutton and the fall membership drive. We'll see you tomorrow on the fabulous 413.